Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is our 82nd video cast, 72nd podcast for the week ending May 13th, 2021. This is Thursday, and I want to welcome you all back. We're going to kick it off. We've got a great amount of stuff to cover this week with uh we'll start off with some media spots and then get right down to the meat and potatoes so uh first off i want to thank ellie terrett and liz clayman for having me on the clayman countdown on friday that was the day after last week's podcast and if you recall the uh, jobs report was a complete miss, 266,000 versus 978,000. And she was asking, you know, what that means. And really what it does is it sets the stage for the stimulus, the $4.1 trillion package to get pushed through, $2.3 trillion on infrastructure, uh, quote-unquote infrastructure, and $1.8 trillion on family spending. Uh, and that's really going to go a long way to help the recovery trade in the second half and cyclicals in the second half. I do think, and we're going to talk about some nuances here, I think going into summer, you know, there's an awful lot of euphoria around cyclicals. If you recall, we were euphoric around around cyclicals before the election and late last summer when no one wanted them, and now that they're all up 100 150%, Everyone's getting excited, and most specifically is those people who were the most negative 100% ago are the ones that are now buying in and getting all excited. So uh, I'm getting a little more cautious on those, not in the sense that I want to sell a lot. Trim, yes, uh, but uh, I, I do want to hold the core of those positions for the next three to five years as we covered, I believe it was two weeks ago or last week, you know, you sell the banks at this at the next inversion which is many years away and we're looking to sell energy when the weight gets up to the high single mid uh high single digits again in the S&P right now it's around 2 or 3%. So there's a long room to run but I do think as we look out over the next 3 months with everyone getting so euphoric and so certain now that cyclicals is the trade and with it being uniformly all those people who completely missed the first 100%, I want to start to look at some of the things that they are now uh, dumping that we can get uh, on sale at Markdown Merchandise. But going back to the segment, um, so, you know, with what this jobs report, and, and it's certainly more likely than not a one-off, but these one-offs could persist into September when the un extended unemployment benefits um, expire. And, you know, they, they, they've paraded out the whole administration, why it's not the unemployment benefits that's causing people to refuse jobs, etc. But if you talk to any small business owner, they say people apply, you offer them the job, and then they don't show up. Because I think there's a condition in order to keep receiving these benefits, you have to show uh, that you at least applied for a job. So they're doing that part of the deal and then they're taking the money to sit home. But these are not bad people. These are logical people that say, wait a second, I can sit home and make thirty to 40000 a year. Um, let's call it a 30000 run rate. Uh, I think it's 400 max on the state, 300 uh, extended. So that's seven times four is 28 times four and a half. So $35,000, a year run rate or... They can go work for you know fifteen dollars an hour, which is six hundred a week, and they lose an extra four hundred four hundred fifty dollars a month. 
uh, by going to work. So that so it's uneconomic. That's the bad news. The good news is it will expire in September, uh, number one. And uh, but it I don't think it's going to be a one-off per se. I think we're going to get a couple more months of this, um, and that could uh, do two things. One is it could. Uh, imply that growth is slightly slower than it actually is and that will slow down growth not not you know having the economy raring to go it's like having the car in fifth gear with your foot on the brake uh, not enough labor to get the thing ap- absolutely cooking and the people that are actually doing that are going to wind up behind the eight ball because they're all going to wind up going back at the same time uh, in September when businesses will have figured out how to do more with less people because they have no choice and maybe automate some of the pro, uh, projects. So when these people go back in September, the jobs that they think are, are uh, you know, waiting for them with open arms will have been automated or uh, another solutions will have been found, at least a certain portion of them. And they're going to be competing with millions of people that are coming off that extended unemployment all at the same time. So it'll be 10 times harder to get the job. Whereas if they're in now when they're needed, maybe by September, they've moved up to a higher position in the company and they're making more money. But, uh, that, that takes long-term thinking and, um, um, you know, so, so that's just not present at, at the moment. Um, okay. So, uh, so, so first off, it'll it'll push through that that package. The second thing it does is that it's going to push off the tapering rhetoric from Powell. Um, you know, he'll stick to his guns on the uh, transitory inflation narrative, which you know we know certainly part of it's going to be transitory. But on balance, we're actually going to get a healthy level of inflation. I I don't think it's going to be an uh, abnormal, per- persistently abnormal level, but it certainly should run symmetrically over 2%, and that's a function of growth and demand, and that's probably a good thing. Uh, but consensus ahead of this jobs report was that tapering would begin in Q3, uh, excuse me, Q4, and uh, now it looks like he'll be able to push that off to Q1. Uh, and um, his top priority is jobs and with this extended unemployment holding people out of the workforce, uh, his jobs narrative will stay intact at least through September, which means the dialogue regarding tapering won't, will likely not happen in August as everyone was anticipating at uh, Jackson Hole. It'll more likely be pushed off into September, October and become a reality in Q1. So uh, that leaves the Fed in the game. Um, and... It also creates a scenario that if um, growth is slightly slower than anticipated over the next few months, just until we work off this extended unemployment, um, that some of the groups that have sold off dramatically because they perform best in a slower growth environment may start to get a bid. And we're going to go into that. And this is a this is an unconventional view. Uh, everyone right now is puking out tech faster than they can. We were uh, telling everyone banks, energy, and defense stocks in August of last year and that Apple and Fang would underperform for the next six months. And that has happened in spades um, and, and what I'm saying now is just as unpopular as what I was saying then. And I think it's going to come to bear that the absolute confidence that's come into the market on cyclicals 
after the 100 to 150% move and the absolute despair with regard to all things tech. Uh, and I think it's nuanced. I do think there is more pain in some areas of tech, but I do also think there's dramatic opportunity in some of the groups that have just sold off 40, 50, 60, 70% in the last three months while the market's basically been sideways. So, um, so, th so there's gonna be an opportunity there and two of the names that, uh, you know, I talked about, the, you know, these groups were in the last two months on inflation fears, particularly SaaS is the subsector of tech that I'm, that I'm speaking to primarily, uh, were, were taken out to the woodshed and sh uh, shot in the last two months. And I think they're going to start to get a bid in coming days and weeks because no one wants them anymore. All the people that loved them 40% ago uh, now hate them that they're, that they're marked down 50%. And all the people that hated cyclicals, energy banks, defense stocks, 100% uh, ago, now that they're up 100, 150%, they can't get enough and they're just euphoric and doing cartwheels for them. So uh, we wanna be on the other side of that trade and we wanna start to look at the things that they're puking out and start to trim the things that they're, they can't buy enough. And that was our plan since last year. We, we said that, particularly with Wells Fargo, um, that there will come a time when everyone's clamoring for this stock and, and that's when we'll, we'll be happy to help them out. Uh, and and start to trim but we but again to be clear we want to keep the core of our cyclicals our energy our banks for the next handful of years uh uh but selectively trim and and raise some cash that we can use to buy what's out of favor and um and ride the next wave and it's interesting you know looking at some of the chinese stocks we're going to talk about it's feeling exactly like it felt with wells fargo uh last uh late last summer early last fall where it was just going through this pronounced like bottoming process no one wanted them and then of course it doubled uh and and then some so um so that's what we're going to focus on so with liz i covered two stocks that are both in tech, but they're in unique subsectors. The first one was uh, Splunk, which is over 50% off in the last few months. The reason it's 50% off, obviously it's a high multiple stock. Those are getting thrown out to the woodshed. And why are these uh, what they call long duration assets getting puked out is because of the inflation fears. Um, so the inflation Fears imply that rates have to go up much sooner than everyone anticipates, and those long-dated earnings uh, that are expected five and ten years out won't be as valuable with higher rates. And there's a there's a clear mathematical logic to that. I just think that the short-term fears are overblown, and these stocks can dramatically perform even with the ten-year at two two twenty two fifty. Uh, 250 basis points, so long as the progression to that level is orderly and not disorderly like we saw in the last two months or, or the first couple of months of the year when, when it went from 
100 bips to 175 bips or in the previous uh, four months from 50 bips to 175 bips. That was that was disorderly. That's why these groups got sold off. I think the orderly uh, targets, you know, moving forward to go from where we are, 165 to 200, 220 over the next six months, I think the market will be able to absorb that. And I think these stocks are going to get bid one, once again. Uh, so Splunk was, was one idea we said that that's over 50% off. They do enterprise data analytics and cloud service. So why have they gotten smashed? Because they're they're doing what Adobe did some time ago, um, which is they're shifting from a licensing and software model uh, to a subscription and cloud model, which will be much better for the long term of the business. And that obviously was very bumpy, hit some rough spots, compounded by the inflation, the sector going out of favor, uh, the pessimism on the group. But if you look at the numbers, last quarter, their cloud uh, revenues were up 83% last quarter. And we're going to hear from them shortly. There was a note out today uh, of an analyst, which we'll cover, uh, talking very highly of the things he expects from some of these cloud companies So, uh, and high multiple stocks in, in coming earnings. So that was number one, big discount. Number two is uh, Alibaba is uh, over 30, 35% off. Uh, the recent highs. And this is down, number one, because all of tech is down, but number two, because of the government interference and um, delaying the Ant financial IPO, which is worth $300 billion. They own a third of that. And then they had the big $2.8 billion fine, which we saw in earnings this morning. Um, but their international expansion and their core platform growth is going just fantastic. So with these type of stocks, it's like, you know, can you, like with Wells, you know, buying it at 25 and 24, did, were you adding at 22 or were you puking it out? Because now it's at 46. And this is the same type of story you're going to see with Baba and Splunk. And we were adding a bunch of Chinese names today on weakness uh, aggressively in the last 48 hours as well. And we'll keep adding just like we did with, uh, with Wells. And uh, and I think we're going to see a nice turn. So again, thanks to um, thanks to Liz Clayman and Ellie Terrett for having me on the show Friday. And then moving on, want to thank uh, Herb Lash, who also had me in one of his articles on Friday. Um, Herb Lash and Ritvik Carvalho. Uh, and I was basically saying the same thing. Actually, they called me right before I was getting on uh, Liz's show and that because of the jobs report, I think some of these groups are going to be able to start to get bid because the narrative, as a matter of fact, the Fed was out today with six reasons why inflation will be transitory. So I think that na narrative is going to get emphasized. I think you saw lumber cracking this week, which uh, you know you'll see some some of these commodities take a breather. You saw oil come in today on the um, on the pipeline getting reinstated. <clears throat> you could also see a scenario, although probably later rather than sooner, because we've had some problems in the Middle East with Iran, with uh, gunships and all that stuff, which we'll cover. But uh, sooner or later, this administration is going to give them a deal and they're going to put a lot of oil online. So um, so I, I think that some of this tr this this commodity inflation uh, is a little bit overdone in the short term. I think you could see a little bit in the dollar um, in the short term, and that should set the stage for some of these groups that everyone loved 50 percent higher. 
um, well, or, you know, before it was 50% down. So 100% higher from here. Uh, I think those are going to get bid and all the things that they're chasing uh, after 100% moves are going to start to slow down. So that that's kind of the narrative of this week's podcast video cast. And, um, you know, this was a perfect week. Buffett, whether the, whether we're talking about stocks or socks, uh, socks or stocks, I like buying quality merchandise when it's marked down. So you'll see a lot of reference to that as we move through here. This is what I was referring to in Iran. A U.S. military ship fires 30 warning shots at Iranian boats. This was hardly covered anywhere except by the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal. Um, that was uh, three days ago. So, you know, keep our eye on that. Now, uh, here's an interesting story. Uh, let, actually, let's put, push this one off to do it with the rest of the Chinese stuff. Um, so, okay, so today they came out, fully vaccinated people don't need, need face masks indoors. The market liked that, around 145, that headline came out. That's a really positive thing for the economy. That's going to bring back a lot of growth, but we need the employees back. Uh, but it, it's just, an, again, another step in the right direction. Um, okay, so we had a few earnings after hours that came in good. And these, again, were high multiple stocks. Baby thrown out with the bathwater. They've all gotten smashed in the last two months down huge. Uh, Airbnb did better than expected. DoorDash did better than expected. And then Coinbase did better than expected. So these type of high multiple low earning stocks that we warned about that all fell, you know, between 30 and 70% some of these stocks in the last couple of months. Now they're down like crazy. No one wants them. They're beating. Uh, and I think they can start to get a bid. This is the technology sector seasonality, which is really interesting because basically it shows this is uh from equityclock.com i don't put a lot of weight on this type of stuff but i like to take a look this is the average over the last 20 years um shows the seasonality of the tech sector so basically from january through june the tech sector is net flat and uh, gets some weakness in the first half of the year and then it starts to get bid hard in the summer and then finishes out the year strong so I think we could see a similar type of scenario where, um, and, and again, this is not wholesale. You know, there are some stories like Apple we've talked about in recent weeks. I, 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 you know, I'm not convinced that this is the bottom for Apple. But uh, some of these other software as a service companies that are smoked, if they can report decent earnings, then uh, I think they could start get a bid and surprise a lot of people that are just puking them out as fast as they can. Uh, from, you know, levels they owned it, you know, you know, tens of 20, 30, 40% higher. Um, okay, so they're out of favor. The question is, is the bottoming process, that seasonality helps us, uh, you know, one more data point. Uh, three oil stocks that could rise even if drilling stays muted. So this is a story uh, by Avi Salzman over at Barron's, who uh, is talking about Schlumberger, Baker Hughes, Halliburton, no, um, National Oil Well Varco and Helmrich and Payne. These are all drillers. We like these over the next three to five years. They've run huge in the last, you know, six months. So maybe they take a breather here. But, um, um, you know, if you've been following me, we're 
way ahead of the curve on that. So you're going to see more great articles about banks, more great articles about energy, more great articles about cyclicals, except for the fact they're all up 150%. So, you know, you'll see very few articles about the stuff that's now beat down 30 to 70%, which is some narrow pockets of high multiple stocks and SaaS software as a service and a lot of Chinese stocks. And we're going to spend a lot of time on that. No one wants Chinese stocks. You can't give them away, uh, just like banks and energy last year. Uh, okay, so uh, Eric Savitz at Barron's did this article quoting Greg Moskowitz's article from Mizuho Securities, and he published a note this afternoon previewing the fresh batch of results, which will include reports from companies like Salesforce, Snowflake, Okta, Palo Alto Networks, Splunk. Uh, and by the way, Palantir for, is a good example um, you know, they were negative into earnings. They're down from 42 down to $17. Uh, and they reported better than expected uh, earnings and guidance. And they're starting to, it feels like they're starting to bottom despite having a ridiculous multiple. And, um, you know, this is generally not the areas I traffic in, but when things are down, you know, 50, 60%, 40, 50, 60%, and they have good prospects for the future and no one wants them. That, that's, those are kind of the things I get interested in. And, uh, and that's what works. And that's what's worked for years. So um, um, that's that. It's not to say buying strength doesn't work, um, you know, uh, but, I, you know, there are more people that make there are a lot. History will look. I will say this: there are more people on the Forbes 400 list buying weakness and selling strength than than people on the Forbes 400 buying strength and selling weakness. That's for sure. So, um, however, there are tons of ways to make money, and um, and there are plenty of people successful at different methods of doing it. This is just how I do it, and um, and the people that follow my podcast tend to see things in a similar way. Uh, buy low, sell high. A little old-fashioned, but it works over time. So, uh, okay, so he goes into that. Uh, then next, uh, this is interesting because now we're getting into the China narrative. Uh, when I want to know what's going in uh, on in China, I first look at Australia because Australia's numbers are, uh, you can count on them, they're solid. And, you know, candidly, the people that are extremely skeptical about Chinese numbers, I also take that with a grain of salt because, during the pandemic, um, they put out numbers that were atrocious, uh, the official government numbers. So when they put out numbers that you can't believe how bad they are, no one says, well, you can't believe their numbers. It's only when the numbers are good that people say, well, you can't really trust their numbers. Well, if you can't trust their numbers, uh, which I think is a questionable assertion, then uh, look at Australia's numbers. And this came out this week. Australian business conditions hit a record high. So that's all you need to know about China. If Australia is doing well uh, and their numbers are good, you can be assured that the good numbers coming out of China are, are accurate uh, for that period. Um, this is okay so these are some of the stocks that we're going to cover in the article of the week uh it just gives you this is weekly charts these are some of the stocks that were hit um directly and indirectly by the unwinding of archegos which will which we'll get into um but you can just see you know alibaba is down from you know 320 down to 206 i mean that's just you know, interesting. Could it go down to 180 or 160? I, I guess it could, but 
I think it's lower probability, number one. And number two, if I look out two to three years from now, I know it's going to make new highs. I mean, this is this is a franchise. It's got the same type of moat that Amazon has. Uh, it's growing faster internationally. They've got a cloud business that's growing. Uh, you know, so if it goes against me in the short term, I'm perfectly comfortable. I'll buy more. You know, I'll be trimming certain cyclicals in the short term as, as people get euphoric about them. And then I'll buy them back later when they take a dip. But I'll use that money to add to, to more Chinese stocks and certain SaaS stocks. Uh, Tal um, Education. This one's kind of interesting. You know, these are, have always been a short target for many years. So people are always skeptical of them. But this is down from 95 to 45. So it's cut in half in a matter of a couple months. By the way, this coincides uh, exactly with uh, the Archegos blow up uh, in March and April. And by the way, someone came in today at the end of the day and bought 42,000 contracts. So the right to buy 4.2 million shares of Tal at $80 at January 2022 calls. So, you know, seven months from now, they expect Tal to be over $80 and they bought 42,000 contracts. That is not your grandma buying 42,000 contracts. That's a big institution. And um, what that says to me, so where is it trading out? 45. So they expect it to more than double. Basically, you know, to buy the 80, they're probably expecting it to make new highs in seven months. That's very optimistic. I would never buy that far out of the money. However, that's real money behind that, that idea. So I think you'll start to see some smart money come into this. Tencent Music was one of uh, Bill Wang's uh, things. Uh, XPEV, XPEV came out today um, with great earnings. Uh, XPEV is the ticker. XP, XPeng, it's an EV company, has a lot to like. That's good news for weary EV investors. This is another group, by the way, that, um, that uh, has been thrown out. Now, I'm not wholesale buying EV producers, but I am nibbling. Uh, certainly on some of the busted SPAC warrants and on some of these uh, China names like Li, Li, and XPEV. It was nice to see the strong earnings. The whole China basket was weak today. We were adding across the board. Um, and, you know, we think it's going to take a little, little while. I mean, all of these stocks, whether it's U.S. SaaS, high multiple stocks, or China stocks, they've had a heart attack in the last two months because people are overblown on inflation fears. And uh, it's going to take a little while to work through that acute fear. Uh, but I think that uh, I think we're going to see that happen over the next few days and few weeks. And this is going to be a great opportunity. And someone figured that out today in really significant size as it relates to uh, Tal, which is just and by the way, I would never buy one of these. You know, you got to buy a basket because, you know, a few of them aren't going to work. One will be a fraud. But you know, if you have a good basket, uh, the growth in, in some of these names as they turn around and sentiment changes, uh, they'll all go back and make new highs over the next, you know, could be could be nine months. It could be two years. But it, it, usually it happens quicker than you expect with these type of names once sentiment changes back. Um, this was the big thing that was holding China back. So 
we put people in we put money in people's pockets for our stimulus money that uh will not get a return on investment short term it just saved everything and held everything together with band-aids what china did was they did something different they made long-term investments so they did a lot of investments in uh infrastructure in in real infrastructure like roads bridges charging uh, bridges charging stations etc in housing in building so they got buildings and roads and bridges uh we got uh 100 new cryptocurrency tokens with you know teenagers on TikTok telling us the next one that's going to buy them a Lambo uh so you know a little different use of taxpayer money in both cases uh but leaving that aside so in the short term, our consumer did a lot better. Uh, now they're running out of stimulus checks. Uh, Chinese consumer really was lagging. I mean, and and they're three years ahead of us on the recovery, th- three months ahead of us because they started three months ahead of us. So their manufacturing numbers were great. Their industrial numbers were great. Their output was great. Everything was great except the consumer. The consumer was really still fearful because anytime a case would pop up, they would shut down the whole city and people would, you know, have no job certainty and businesses, small businesses had no, no way to plan because they could just be shut down. So now that's going away, the Chinese consumers are, quote, Uh, as we saw in this article today, opening their wallets again. And this was the big lagging effect. Will the Chinese consumer come back? And they're coming back in spades. So companies like Alibaba and some of these electric car companies, you know, obviously you've seen sentiment shift from uh, Tesla to uh, domestic manufacturers of EVs in China of late. Uh, You saw the reports in the news and the protesters and all that stuff. I'm not saying it's going to be a sea change. I'm just saying that the consumer's back. They're going to start to buy this type of stuff. And um, and and Baba is going to be the biz- biggest beneficiary because basically Baba is attached to like every consumer transaction in one way or another in China. Uh, and we saw that in earnings. The other thing is people are worried about the government. You know, that's already known. I mean, the stock is down from um, uh, whatever. We, we just went over it. 320 to 206. So... You know, this is a huge company. This is not some mom and pop shop that's down, you know, 35 percent, 40, uh, uh, yeah, 35 ish percent. Uh, this is one of the greatest companies in the country. And um, so people are like, well, the government, this and that, that's that's known. That's now priced in. The fine was given two point eight billion. They reported that in earnings. That's why they had negative earnings. Uh, and why they're while at the same time their top line revenue grew 64% by the way year on year 64%. So uh and that this is not, you know, some 100 million dollar company that's growing 64%. This is a giant. So uh so we think the prospects are very very promising. The other thing is Alibaba's ant group will let more users test giant chi- test China's digital yuan. So this is not a sign of a company that is on the outs with the Chinese government. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Chinese government is going to want them to succeed as much as possible because the more successful the digital yuan is, the better it is for the Chinese government. (coughs) And 
Ant Group, which Alibaba owns a third of, $300 billion valuation, which they want to get the IPO out. I think it's going to be a quid pro quo. Help us with the Chinese yuan. We'll take you out of the penalty box. You can IPO. Alibaba will benefit. Ant will benefit. The Chinese government will benefit. And all the Chinese stocks will benefit. So I think that's coming. The fact that they're working together, that's a positive thing. And this is something that the Chinese government wants and needs. And Ant is the company that can deliver it for them. So uh, and Alibaba helps in that regard. So as far as earnings today, um, so they had a loss due to that um, uh, $2.8 billion fine. Um, revenue, commerce, core commerce revenue rose 72%, while cloud computing revenue increased 37%. So they're, they're effectively just the Amazon of China. So they've got the uh, commerce side, and then they've got although they've got a more robust commerce side because they have Taobao and they've got a few different platforms. Um, but they also have a rigorously growing. As, as a matter of fact, I did a segment on this for China Global over the summer, and it was basically if they continue at the same growth pace that they're at, that and that they're guiding for over the next few years, their um, e-commerce, their um, Cloud business is going to be bigger than AWS. That's how fast they're growing on that on that side of the business as well. They had 811 million annual active customers on their Chinese retail marketplaces, an increase of 32 million uh, from last quarter, and 925 million monthly active users for its China marketplaces, up 23 million from last quarter sequentially alone. So, uh, so that that's the story here. Um, great earnings, just, you know, right short term caution with when it as it relates to long duration earning growth stories until these inflation fears quell. And what we're going to see is the China inflation numbers are actually coming in lower than expected. So um, there is some plausibility to the transient story of the Fed. I just don't think it'll be 100% transient. I think a portion of it will be transient and we'll finally get to over 2% on a consistent basis, which was the goal. But I don't think it's going to be uh, long-term unnaturally high uh, you have some disinflationary factors and technology, technological innovation that will help offset the growth demand. And, and it, it's going to I think we could find ourselves six to 12 months out in a, in a Goldilocks period. But um, leaving that aside. So Xping's earnings were great. Uh, that's Tal Group. Let's take a look at some of these groups here. Uh, this is utilities. So utilities we got in and we talked to you guys about in uh, last week of February, early March. They shot out like a cannon. Um, so you're still seeing a lot of them up. They consolidated now. It looks like they're getting bid again here. Uh, and our two biggest holdings in this group is so AEP, you know, went from 74 to 90 in like six weeks. It's consolidated sideways now. It looks like it's getting bid. Same with Dominion out like a rocket, consolidated for a few weeks. Now it looks like it's getting bid again. Uh, and that's interesting that they're getting bid with the 10-year creeping up. And it, it goes to show what I was saying. As long as the pace is reasonable, these yield-sensitive and in some sense tech fits that bucket, uh, we'll, we'll be able to, to start to, um, to find bids. 
here is banks which we've been on for a while and and you know this is you know you look at city up from 40 to 75 wells fargo up from you know 22 to 46 bank of america from 20 to 41 so these have all doubled now everyone's getting excited they could certainly keep pushing higher uh certainly in the intermediate term for sure short term i don't know but um uh so they they continue to have strength uh, this is drug manufacturers. This was a third group that we talked about, if you remember, last week of February, first week of March. Utility staples and big pharma. We already saw the utilities. So the big pharma, some of these are starting to really move. Um, the, the two big ones that we've been talking about since uh, late March, uh, late February, early March, is Pfizer, which is now up... Uh, 20 i think it was 28.1 percent is that correct or 20 21 point anyway no it's 30 33 to 40 and change so, so about 20 percent in eight weeks um plus the dividend they've now got it approved for 12 year olds plus you got the booster shots coming plus you got the international rollout so i think that can keep working higher even if it has to consolidate a little bit in the short term novartis is our second one this one is uh, starting to get bid the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'll show you the daily. So we, we we shot up, then we consolidated. Now it looks like it wants to finally break out again here. And I think that, that it's it's really got a lot of room to run. So that's one laggard. You know, a lot of the stuff we've talked about two, two months ago has run quite a bit. And certainly the stuff we talked about last year is all run triple digits. But... These are some, I'm trying to get you guys some stuff that is actionable in the short term. I think Novartis is a laggard that can that can move. Uh, so that's a lot on the drug companies. Uh, now we're talking about defense stocks, defense and aerospace. We were pushing for hard last year. And you look at what's happened since. Now they've really got a bid. They're going to keep going, um, even if they consolidate a little bit. But uh, they've really, really taken off over the last few months. So that's good to see. But if you look at this longer term context, like look at a Boeing. Boeing, we love. It's pulled back in the last few weeks. Why? Because they keep screwing up execution. But it's an oligopoly. Like, I mean, literally, the wings could fall off the plane and they would work it out and people would still order their planes. Why? Because there's nowhere else to go. You've got Airbus, you've got Boeing. That's basically it. So, you know, they've got to work it out. They're work, you know, working with the government. They're fixing all this stuff. I think Boeing is actionable here. I mean, I think that's that's a very attractive opportunity. Um, Lockheed is probably still actionable here. You look at the commercial aviation recovery of the second half. I mean, Northrop has run a huge amount. But again, you know, let's take a look at the monthly. I mean, these things look like they're they want to take off. General Dynamics, it's run huge, but you know these things aren't. These things are all going to eventually work their way to new highs. But as far as risk reward, I think Boeing down here has still got a long way to go, uh, based on what's happening. All right, what are we looking at now? Uh, utilities. Okay, so the, just updating you on what's been happening with that. So Kellogg was our biggest, and what did we say? Soup and cereal, if you remember from the TV spots. So uh, Campbell's ran from 56 to now it's at uh, 67. Then it took a breath, uh, crushed it on earnings. They're all passing through and increasing prices. That's a good thing for for as as stockholders, not a great thing for consumers. Uh, but um, 
So this is breaking out. We think that's got more more to run. So that's been a huge move. And then here was the other one, Campbell Soup. So uh, those were our two big ones, Soup and Salad. So that ran huge right after we put it out for four weeks. It's consolidated for like six weeks. And now it looks like it wants to take another run. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, probably still some opportunity in that. And then some of these others like Hormel. Uh, we don't have any exposure there, but there's, there's some opportunity in the group. Uh, this is Personal Care. Colgate looks like it's finally breaking out. Clorox, I think there's some opportunity here. That one got beat down on earnings because people said, oh, no one's going to use bleach again now that COVID's done. And what the fact is they're selling more of the stuff than they sold in 2019. They just happened to sell more than 2019 and 2020. So people got nervous. But I think this thing is going to settle out and be a good stock to own. Same thing with Kimberly Clark. People are like, wait, how come you're not selling as much toilet paper as you did last March? Well, duh. People were stockpiling it, so you know it got crushed after earnings. Now it's shot up. It'll fill this gap and probably work its way higher. So that there's probably some opportunity in Kimball right here, Kimberly Clark. Now here's the energy. Everyone's getting excited after these. Uh, well, this is just in the last few months. If you take a look back, I mean these things are up. While they're up huge. Uh, look how much some of these have to go like ent energy transfer by the way this one's really interesting someone came in this week and bought 94,000 almost 95,000 contracts or the right to purchase nine and a half million shares at $39 for January of 2023 is that correct no at five dollar strike okay I gotta I gotta edit that all right so five they bought nine and a half million uh uh, 94,000, the right to control 9.5 million shares at $5, January 2023, call options. So that that's a huge bet on energy transfer. We like that one. Uh, Petrobras, you know, these things are going to work a lot higher over the next few years. Even though they've had runs, they've, they've got more to go. And then some of your higher... So these are the lower quality names that are finally starting to get bid. If we look, you know, uh, Kinder Morgan, same story. So there is still a huge opportunity. I can see people getting excited even even though they're up. Uh, you know, uh, Slumberjays doubled. Now they're getting articles. Uh, BP, this thing is going to work its way higher over time. Um, where are some of the big ones here? Maybe on page two. Uh, so uh, Exxon Mobil, so it's up from 33 to 60, got up to 64. Uh, Royal Dutch, I think this can work higher. So these have consolidated as we expected. So maybe they do take a leg higher here. Royal Dutch Shell, uh, even PetroChina. Um, EOG is breaking out. ConocoPhillips looks like it wants to, to make a move. Uh, so even Occidental is up from 10 to over, over a hundred percent from 10 to 23. They're working off the Anadarko overhang from that deal. Fang. So maybe they rest, maybe they, maybe they push higher. They've had big moves, but over the next few years, we like those quite a bit. So just keeping you updated on that. Um, okay. The, uh, here's the article of the week. The Archegos loss is your gain stock market and sentiment, sentiment results. So, Archegos is a Greek word um, that was used in the New Testament in reference to Jesus. So Bill Huang uh, named his family office Archegos because uh, he's a, a very devout Christian, and um, and I and I 
I brought that up just because, you know, um, the guy is one of the most brilliant stock pickers of Asian stocks that's ever lived. I mean, here's a guy who turned $200 million uh, in 2013 to about $20 billion from picking Asian stocks over the last eight years. And his wealth even peaked at, personal wealth even peaked at $30 billion. No one knew it. Very quiet. And it's not like $30 billion of Amazon stock that's illiquid and you have to borrow against it. It's basically $30 billion of cash if he had, you know, liquidated. Uh, but he was using way too much leverage with total return swaps. And he was concentrated in a number of Chinese stocks and some U.S. stocks. And he had multiple prime dealers, and I guess it wasn't fully disclosed who had how much leverage on what collateral, and he probably used the same collateral multiple times. It's like it's basically like taking out, um, you know, three mortgages on the same house without telling the uh, alternative lenders, doing it all on the same day so they don't see the recordings. That's kind of what appears to have happened with uh, Arcagos. Um, whether, whether he did anything wrong or not is unclear. I don't think there's a lot of regulation around that at present that will change. Um, but, uh, what we're trying to parse here is where's the opportunity. So there was a forced liquidation. He had turned 5 billion of equity capital. He leveraged it up to a hundred billion dollars of notional and those dealers that were extending that leverage have to hedge out their positions on the total return swaps. So they were buying the underlying stock when everyone realized when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked and they all blinked and they all puked out the stock and they've been unwinding it. I don't know that all of it's totally unwound yet. And then the funds that also had the same positions as the banks were puking, they had to be. So it's been a cascading effect similar to GameStop in January. Um, so... So what we're doing here is highlighting the names that he had this excess leverage on for two reasons. One is he is one of the greatest stock pickers to ever live in, in um, uh, ever in Asian stocks. And if he hadn't used so much leverage, he'd still be here to, to tell the story. Um, but the key is, is you can own those stocks at, 30 to 70% discounts of where the smartest Asian stock picker owned them. And then you just have to wait for the tide to change because a lot of people got burned that, you know, owned them up here, owned them up here, had to dump them out when the banks were dumping out. And now they've got to find a bottom and they've got to find a new set of buyers. And who are they buying? Well, it's shifting from the momentum stocks that were the momentum buyers that were up here buying breakouts and getting their head chopped off these were all breakouts all breakouts and then they just collapsed all breakouts collapsed so so people were buying up here got their heads up so who steps in after they collapse 30 to 50 to 70 percent depending on the name is value buyers like myself uh that see a tremendous opportunity and you know can live with a few weeks or a few months of chopping around to find a bottom before it winds up doubling and making new highs again so um think exxon Mobil, think um Think, uh, think Wells Fargo, think a number of the names that we were pounding the table on last year. I think this is a similar situation. And I think the bottoming process may be a little bit quicker on these because you're not in the middle of a pandemic. And, um, you know, everyone realizes we have a recovery here. So now it's just a question of um, 
kind of quelling the inflation narrative and letting a bid, maybe getting some, you know, it could be COVID variants. It could be anything, you know, weak jobs numbers that, that people say, well, maybe it's going to be a little slow in the short term. And then the bid will come back into uh, some of these tech and, and SaaS stocks. Uh, he also owned a couple of U.S. stocks, um, Viacom, Discovery, and U.K. is uh, Farfetch, that have also gotten beaten up. That probably also represented decent value at these levels um, in the case of Viacom and Discovery. So, so those are what we've emphasized. And what was interesting about this, um, so the joke I made was, Huang should have known from his devout Christian studies that Jesus not only paid taxes, if you recall, he sent the guys out to fish uh, to catch, you know, to uh, catch fish to pay the taxes. Uh, but apparently Jesus had to pay margin calls as well. Uh, that was a play on his uh, Archegos name. So um, I'll keep my day job. I won't make it very far as a comedian. But uh, anyway, moving right along. Uh, okay, so the point is that these moves down in the Chinese basket were compounded. There were a number of factors at play. The antitrust headwinds in China, the uh, seasonal factors of tech being weak the first half of the year, and then the structural uh, deleveraging from the, from the Archegos blow up uh, compounded this. So you're, you're getting these names at a material discount and nothing is changed in the underlying business and if anything like in the case of baba and xpev the underlying fundamentals uh although you could argue are still too expensive have improved since when they were when the stocks were 100 percent higher from here so i like that kind of story even if i can't really wrap my head around some of the multiples these multiples are always going to be high because their stories are always going to be manana. So all you need for the manana story to work is for uh, interest rates to be somewhat stable, even if they creep up higher, and inflation narrative to cool down. And they're going to do that. But if you look at the China data, so the point I wanted to make was that nothing's changed in the Chinese economy that would or outlook that would cause this type of thing. This was just a... a, a Structural deleveraging from Wang, uh, seasonal headwinds for the sector, and a bit of uncertainty with U.S.-China relations, and, and that will get ironed out with this administration uh, in our view. So, um, and by the way, us saying that we were not going to stand behind Taiwan, which is a complete about-face from what the previous administration said, is a huge olive branch to China. So I think those relations are probably going to improve sooner than most expect. But, you know, right now all the focus is on the pandemic and getting the vaccinations out and, and, and dealing with that, which is moving right along. Uh, this is the big number you want to see. So retail sales up 34.2% year on year. By the way, by March of last year, China was actually exiting their problem just as we were entering it because they were three months uh, ahead of us. Uh, they started in December, ours started in March. So these numbers, like I said, not only are we seeing the earnings reports, the economics coming in better than they were at the peak, but the country's numbers are uh, coming in stronger as well. You see the uh, manufacturing PMI. 
exports and imports blew the doors off in terms of uh, overestimates, you can see here. And CPI inflation numbers were actually lower than anticipated on this week's, uh, on the year-on-year -year print and the month-on-month -month print. Uh, PPI was a little bit heavy because that's input costs from commodities, producer price index. So I think this inflation narrative is going to cool down and that's going to enable China and certain pockets of SaaS to start to get a bid and the banks should should be mostly unwound out of their Archegos positions and then the uh, knock-on effects from the funds that were bagged in them, uh, they've blown up by now and they should be unwound uh, mostly over, you know, if they're not unwound yet, certainly in the coming weeks and we should get some bottoming in, in these stocks that we start to like. Now, what was interesting is I write these on Friday, on, on Wednesday night, I put them out on Thursday morning at 7 a.m. after the um, uh, uh, sentiment survey results, the AAII sentiment survey results come out. And the futures were still down this morning when I put it out. So in this section about the general market, I said, since the NASDAQ is taking the brunt of the pain, I'm going to post a number of NASDAQ indicators I look at to get a feel for when we should be adding stocks and when we should be lightening up. Summary, we're adding because most of these indicators are nearing points that it paid to be a buyer versus being a seller. We always scale in and out of positions. Very rarely are we all or nothing player, but I can say we have been a bit more, we, I can say we have been more a more aggressive buyer than normal in the last 48 hours in the groups I mentioned. That's the Chinese stocks, a little bit of SaaS, um, and those things that are now out of favor. And it's interesting. So if you look at these 10 charts I put out, the McClellan summation, the uh, NASDAQ EMA advance of ratio. You know, look, at the end of the day, you can go through these one by one, but just look. You know, I, I do things with a crayon, not a scalpel. The, the levels that these are at favor those periods that were times to buy and it was a bottom in the NASDAQ versus times to sell. Are they perfect? No. Are they crystal ball? No. Do they favor odds? Yep. So that's why I use them. You know, you look at this uh, on balance up down on balance on balance volume indicator oscillator i mean this was you know this was a pretty aggressive good signal and sure enough i mean i couldn't imagine the magnitude of the bounce we got today but it was material and whether it was today or whether it was three days from now and maybe we'll get a red day and then we'll bottom some more but these are getting closer to buy points versus sell points and um, and fears kicked back in. The advanced decline issues on the NASDAQ was at that level. The same thing with, uh, um, yeah, so uh, same on the NICE as well. So the other thing that I said to support the case that we were new, due for a bounce uh, or start the bottoming process was, did I mention earnings estimates for 2021 and 22 jumped up again this week, which we've been covering. And, it, you know, just four weeks ago, earnings were at 175. I said, look, I think we could hit 190 or 200 for 2021 and 215 plus for 2022. Well, I thought that would happen by the end of summer, but that's not the case. We're almost there. It, it jumped up to 187 for 2021 S&P earnings for, and 209 already for 2022. So we're ahead of schedule on this. And that's been the case for the last four months that analysts have had, they were too pessimistic. They've had to keep taking up their earnings. I think that's going to persist maybe at a slower rate over the summer, but um, uh, you know, it was just the pessimism was, was severe. And the key here is reason I did NASDAQ is because that's where the pain is. You know, I wasn't saying um, 
you know, this sell-off is over, double down on Wells Fargo, that's already up 100 plus percent. I'm saying the pain looks like it's nearing an inflection. Therefore, let's buy what's down that, that we're going to get the biggest bang for our buck. And that's where we've been focused. China was still red today, so there was still pain there. We'll see if they start to get a bid. But it's okay. This is this is part of that's how you scale in and you scale out. We've been aggressive the last three days now uh, in that group, and we'll continue to add more over the next week until it, it reverses, and then we'll just let it go, and um, and that's that. So so that's earnings. Fear came in in the AAII sentiment. I'll bet that that is um more significant because they they collect them by like Wednesday night. So I'm sure they're getting some Tuesday reads when everyone was happy and they weren't scared. So that number's probably actually lower. I just want to pull up um National Association of Active Investment Managers cuz they change it on Thursday. Ah, perfect. Okay. So this is really interesting. So so fear's coming in on this. I think this number is lower than it actually is because it didn't account for yesterday's fear. Fear and greed got down to 37 yesterday. So fear finally crept in after being in the mid-range for months, around 50. And then the National Association of Active Investment Managers, I'm like, gosh, I wish they were more scared. It dropped down to 87, but that was as of this morning. They print the new one on Thursday. It's now down to 46%. So it's dropped all the way down here. And as you can see, for the most part, when it's in the low you know, 50s and 40s, on these mini bounces, that's closer to a bottom than a top. You do get these exceptions, like this huge drawdown in like Q4 2018 when, um, when um, Powell was raising rates into weakening economic data, like un, unreal how bad he started out of the gate, but he redeemed himself during the pandemic. He saved us from a great depression. So hats off. But on balance, when you're down at these levels, with the exception of the pandemic and when Powell, you know, really blew it in his, you know, out of the gate, um, generally down here, 45 to 55, the odds favor being a net, adder versus a, a seller and that's where we are now so 46.86 as of tonight um, that's not to say you can't get these type of things but you know it's these are low low probability events despite having had two of them in two years they were exceptional uh, events um okay so our message remains the same don't get distracted with the general indices they're going to do what they do Given the consensus has been looking for a 10 to 20% correction in the past few weeks on the sell in May go away was their edge and reasoning, odds are we don't get anything even close to that in the S&P 500. We'll see. I mean, this is interesting. I wrote this last night after the, I think the Dow was down 600-something points yesterday. So it was, you know, pretty aggressive call. And, you know, today we got a bounce. I think it's going to take a little bit to – to, to for this process to bottom but most of the indicators are pointing to uh, odds favor adding selectively versus puking and um more likely there's going to be just enough turmoil for market makers to sell a ton of expensive insurance premium that expires worthless to the weak-handed late money who missed last year's rally and chased at the wrong time this year this is very important and we've talked a lot about this in the past uh yesterday was that day that huge spike in the vix what does vix measure it measures at the money implied volatility. So, you know, 
market makers were having a field day yesterday selling expensive put options to scared weak hands after the after the Nasdaq was down 8% in 3 or 4 days they just had they sold it to them they couldn't sell enough sold to you sold to you sold to you and uh and none of that premium is going to wind up uh expiring in the money the makers are going to take that money and go to the beach this summer so um okay now caveat fear is not yet at extreme we could see a bit more pain in the general indices before we find solid footing that said waiting too long to scale into individual bargains can be costly as the old saying goes if you wait to hear the robin sing it's already spring and you missed it that's a buffett quote uh, by the way if you're listening to the podcast versus the video cast you're going to get cut off in a minute just go to hedgefundtips.com and uh click on the video cast and Fast forward to minute 60, you'll be able to pick up word for word exactly where you left off. Also, you can rewind and go look at some of the charts that we went over during this session, and that'll help you visualize what we've been talking about as well. Okay, so um, China stocks and SPAC warrants were our primary focus in the last 48 hours as we used the fear to load up our shopping cart on hugely discounted merchandise. We expect to do a bit more shopping this week, but are pleased with the opportunities we've been able to take advantage of so far. As for Bill Wang, I wouldn't bet against him. These guys always come back. It may take longer than three days for his resurrection, but rise again he shall, albeit with a lot less leverage and capital. So um, moving right along. Uh, now this is this quote from Peter Lynch 